wanted to come on this lovely Monday evening and um, share some reflections from the weekend. Um, And these reflections are coming from a place of um, money. Like having, I've had a, I had a number of money reflections this weekend. And so, um, as I was just sitting here getting ready for the week and thinking about, um, but as I've been thinking about the past week and everything, I just had a lot of ahas and a lot of, of, um, reflections that I was like, you know what? Let me hop on real quick and share. And so, First off, let me share with you all a little bit of just like my weekly process of how I organize myself for the week. So obviously today's Monday, but it was a holiday. And so tonight is actually my Sunday. Um, and I'll just share with you briefly like what I do to kind of like set my vision, focus and direction for this upcoming week. Um, and so every Sunday, today's my Sunday. Um, what I basically do is, um, so I have a, a uh, journal from my business coach and um, it takes, it walks me through the same actions to get ready for every week. And so the first thing I do is just write down what I'm grateful for, like from the past week and um, just reflect over how things went and what were the highlights of the week where where are our spaces to be able to show gratitude. And so obviously wrote down having the opportunity to walk the stage this weekend. And so Harvard hosted an in-person graduation for a class of 2020 and 2021. So I had a chance to go back to campus and walk the stage. My mom came with me and so was really grateful for the opportunity to be able to experience that, to experience it with my mom, to have my mom experience. Because honestly, I just went back for my mom, (laughs) for real, for real. And it was such a beautiful experience for her to be able to be there with me. Um, So I wrote about that. I wrote about... Uh, what else did I put down on my gratitude list? Um, I wrote down around uh, disposable income, which I'll talk about here more in a moment, but being grateful for disposable income. And there are a couple other things that I wrote down. Um, so start with a gratitude list and then it. I walk through, all right, what are my priorities for the week? Like my personal priorities What are the things that I want to discuss with my team? So given those priorities, what are um, like topics that I need to either delegate to my team or have a conversation about with my team? So on every Monday, um, I have a team meeting with my operations team. So that's my EA, my online business manager and my ops coordinator. And then every Tuesday, I have a meeting with a coaching meeting with my two coaches on my team. And so um, during that Sunday prep time for the week, I'm thinking through, given my priorities, what are the things that I need to discuss with my team? And then I go through my KPIs and numbers from the week of you know revenue. We track how many people applied to our program, how many current clients we're working with. Um, and then given my goals for this upcoming week, 
Like, where are we? What actions do I need to take? What does that mean in terms of conversations, conversion, clients? Um, and then I actually moved to actually mapping out, all right, these are my priorities. If these are the things that I need to talk about with my team, if these are the things that in terms of my KPIs, where we landed last week, and then what my goals are for this week and the things that need to happen to reach our goal, then I make my to-do list by day. So what do I need to do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? And I'm like double checking against my calendar to be able to see, all right, if it's a heavy meeting day, I know I'm not going to be able to do five things on the to-do list. I might only, might only need to be able to do one. So what's the one thing I need to get done that day? Um, and so that's a little bit of how I plan for the week. Um, and so I just went through that process for this week. And throughout that reflection, I was thinking so much around just my own personal story and journey with how my relationship with money has evolved over um, the past really four or five years. Like my relationship with money, um, and you may have heard me talk about this before, but you know, in, in education, we are conditioned and socialized to view money as a scarce resource, particularly when you're working in under-resourced schools, um, when you're working in schools that have been pushed to the margins, when, you know, you're underpaid and overworked, like your, your view of money is, is scarce because that's the, the context in which you're operating in. And so for a really long time, and I also grew up in, you know, uh, uh, like a, a network or the, the messages about money that I grew up with was that money was a scarce resource. So my mom was a single parent. She worked really hard. My mom, you know, worked really hard, but also was managing a lot of financial things behind the scenes. And so we grew up indirectly with the message that money felt hard. And so I say all that to say is, that, you know, that's, you know, as someone who, you know, is in my 30s, I have had decades of money messages that say money is a scarce resource. And in doing some really intentional work the past four to five years around my thoughts around money, I did, while I was doing my weekly planning, it really highlighted for me just the growth in my mindset. So I just wanted to give you a couple examples of what that looks like. And so the first example um, was, so um, I had my book bag stolen and in my book bag was my MacBook and my iPad. And it is, of course, frustrating and annoying when someone takes your property. And when that happened, I had this really, really strange sense of, of and peace may not be the right word, but I wasn't anxious right? I know. And it was my new book bag, right? Like I'm so salty. It was so cute. I've already ordered another one, by the way. So like it's coming. But I say that to say is that, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. And so like my computer plays a very significant role in my day to day. Um, but I was not anxious in that moment. And all I could think about was, was, Four or five years ago, 
when something like that would have turned my world upside down because I didn't have the disposable income to like, I would have had to rob Peter to pay Paul in order to replace it, right? And like, it would have completely shifted my world, my budget. Like I would have probably had to struggle for another two to three months because I would have had to put it on a credit card. I would have had to call someone, you know, to borrow money. And the reality is, as you know, I don't have family members I can call and borrow money from. Um, so I might have to have taken out a loan or something like I would have had to to dig myself into a hole in order to to address the situation and replace the things. But I, I was not anxious in the moment. Of course, it's annoying because it's like you took my shit, right? Like I, I feel some kind of way. But it was like I thought about it. I was like, well, I'll just buy another one when I get back home. Like I just had this level of ease of like. I can replace it. And because I'm a business owner and I'm using this in my business, this is a write-off. <laughs> and so like, I'll replace it. It actually benefits my business because it's a write-off. And so like, I just had this like sense of ease in the moment when it when it happened. And again, maybe ease isn't the right word because it's never comfortable when someone takes your things. But like, I, I just continue to think about the times previously in my life when something like that happened. And because, you know, I was not financially stable, it shook my world. And that shaking of my world would give me so much anxiety. And in this moment, it was a complete 180. It was completely different. It was just like frustrating, annoying. I'm being inconvenienced right now. However, I'll buy another one when I'll get back, when I get back. And like, I just consider that to be such a blessing. I consider that to be like a level of freedom of, you know, to know that if, if money can replace it, it's not an issue. <laughs> like if money can address the situation, it's not an issue. And to, to actually feel that and be able to walk in that, it just feels so good. So today I went to the Apple store and bought my new computer, bought a new iPad, put it on my business card. So not only is it a write-off, but I'm also getting the points. Like it's, and I will be back in business tomorrow. And the other great thing was, so this happened late last week and I still had some urgent things that had to be done by end of day Friday. And here is another reason why I had this sense of like, like why I didn't have the love of anxiety that some other people may have in this situation is I had a team. And so like, as soon as the situation was going down, I sent a message to my team and let them know that was what was happening. And of course they were like completely, you know, empathetic. And they were like, so what you need us to do? Like, we, like, we, we ready. What you need us to do, and so like, I'm I'm sent them the list. This is what I need you to do. Like this has to be done by end of day tomorrow, and like they slid in and handled it. And so like again, it's just another reflection of like, you know, of of the growth that's happened in my journey from a mindset standpoint, as well as just the growth in my business of something that would have shaken my world four or five years ago. Now, yeah, it's frustrating. It's annoying, but it doesn't shake my world. I can replace it, the computer. I can replace the iPad. And I have a team who can step in. And so the business doesn't like turn upside down because I don't have a computer. My team stepped in and they could handle it. Um, and so like that was, I was just so grateful in that moment. And like, 
And yes, entrepreneurship doesn't mean alone. Absolutely. And a lot of people, um, a lot of people's money mindsets actually does not prevents them from hiring. So for example, and I've actually had this, uh, this unfortunate experience a number of times, maybe in the past 12 months where I'm, I'm hiring another entrepreneur in their business to provide services to me and my company. And that I can tell they don't have a team. And then they become an inconvenience to me and I'm paying you money. And now I have to terminate the contract because you don't have the team to be able to support the workload or to manage or you're literally every department. And the reality is, is that's that's how you start in the beginning of your business where you are wearing all the hats. However, one of two things one of two things have to have to happen and progress. Your mindset has to progress to be able to know that you actually need to hire before you desperately need it, which means that you're going to need to be in a position to be able to pay for support before your your before you perceive that your revenue can support a position, right? So you're going to have to be ready to make the investment in a team member. Um and like that, you know, might mean that you're you're taking a little bit of a healthy risk or, you know, you are are stepping out on a leap of faith, but you know, to to the point of the the comment in the the uh to the point of the comment here of entrepreneurship doesn't mean alone. Absolutely agree. And so many people for a variety of reasons are doing it alone. The other piece here too is many people don't have their financial structure set up from jump. So when they're bringing in revenue into their business, they are acting as if all of that money is is their salary or is theirs to pocket. And they're actually not building a reserve from the jump. So when it comes time to hire, they they feel as if they don't have the the money to be able to to um, pay for the contractor because they haven't been building their reserves. One of the books that I talk about all the time that I highly recommend for any and every entrepreneur is Profit First. Profit First will help you structure your financial systems from jump that when you're bringing money into your business, it'll tell you based upon your revenue level, the allocation that you should be reserving towards expenses. And I believe when you're under 100K and it might be 250, but the early stage of of your business, I believe it's either 20 or 30% that they recommend that you put aside. And so that's the other piece is because so many people aren't putting aside and building their reserve from the jump. Even when you get that first $1,000 contract or $3,000 contract, all that $3,000 isn't your money. And even when you pull 20, 25% off the top for taxes, the remaining 80 to 75 to 80% is still not all your money. You need to take another 20 to 30% and slide it into an expense account and building your reserve. So that way, when it comes time, to hire the virtual assistant at 20 or $25 an hour, you can pull the trigger and make the move because you have the reserve sitting there. Because when people don't do that, they either wait it out and now you're overwhelmed doing all the things and now you're missing money because you don't respond to emails or you go the cheap route and trying to hire an EA for $5, $10 an hour and you get cheap work. So I don't even know how I got on this tangent. <laughs> But oh, because I was talking about 
how grateful I am for my team. When you're early on in your business, you can afford to keep a little bit more. You can afford to keep 50%. So according to Profit First, if you're under, I think I believe it's about 250K, they recommend that you actually reserve 50% for owner's compensation. But once you get to about 500,000 plus, then those those percentages shift and change. So Profit First actually gives you allocations depending upon your actual revenue level. So it's not a hard, fast percentage for everybody. It really depends because even with taxes, the amount of your revenue should actually in your own personal tax situation because when you are, um, for most of us, our, our tax classification is still passing through on our personal taxes. Um, you, you have to take into consideration your own personal tax situation too. So all of that, all of that depends. And I wouldn't say there's a hard and fast number because it depends on your revenue level. Um, but again, I was saying all that to say of just my love of gratitude, just sharing a little bit of my reflections from this past week. So I just dived into my planning to get ready for the week, which I typically do on Sundays, but I'm doing it tonight because today was a holiday. And really just, uh, you know, I had so many realizations with just ahas and just in terms of my own um, growth in terms of my many mindset. So one of those was for my team. One of those was for my disposable income because I shared with folks that my book bag was stolen, which had my computer, my iPad in it, had a sense of ease about it because I knew I could replace it. I have the money and the funds to be able to do it. It's not going to, you know, turn my world upside down by buying a new MacBook, buying a new iPad. It's a business expense. I could write it off, which actually helps me out. Um, so just, just gratitude and reflection there. The other thing too, um, and so, you know, I'm sure you all probably saw that. Um, I had my graduation and so graduated virtually. They did an in-person graduation for us and I was able to bring my mom and, um, I flew my mom, um, up to Cambridge. Um, and that was just a really special experience to be able to, you know, have her attend with me, but also to be able to, um, cover the expenses for the weekend. And so, um, covering her flight, covering the hotel room. I, um, if, if I'm with my mom, she's not paying for anything. So, um, and just to be able to be in that situation, to be able to, to, it's on me. She got flewed out. Like, and I put her in first class because the flight she was looking at, I was like, girl, who you talking to that has this, this little, the flight for this price, um, I get you in first class for less, for cheaper. Um, and so, yeah, nah, boo, we, we gonna get you taken care of. Um, and so it was, it was just, it was just a really, really good weekend and another, during some other live conversation, I'll go into just the way the relationship with my mom has evolved over time. But um, we were having dinner. She was just like, I will never forget this weekend. Like, I just had such a good time and like being able to see and experience new things. Like I'd asked her, I was like, um, have you ever been to Boston or when was the last time you've been to Boston? And she had said, um, she was like, I think I came here with your dad. Um and child, that was like before I was born. <laughs> and so it would have been 30 plus years ago. Um, and then we got on the train because, you know, with graduation and everything, Ubers were crazy. So we took the train into campus. And I was like, have you ever been on the train or like the subway? 
And she's like, oh, yeah, me and Rosemary, when we were kids, we got on the train because we went from here to there. And she, I think she was talking about like an Amtrak train. But I was like, but have you been on the subway? And she was like, no, I haven't been on a subway. And so it was just really cool to be able to have these experiences with my mom. And y'all, when I tell you, she was living her best life. The One of the funniest things is we, you know, we had the school graduation on Saturday and then the university graduation on Sunday. So I was in my regalia, you know, pretty much the whole day walking around and everything. And, you know, people were telling me congratulations. And when they would say congratulations, my mom would be like, thank you. Thank you. And I was like, okay, this, this, yo, yo accolade too, boo. Okay. Yeah. Ride with it. Ride with it. Um, so those are just were three of my reflections just in terms of my, of, of that I had just realized during my planning. Um, of just my own money journey and how it evolved. And again, those were first just the sense of, of ease and being able to handle this technology situation, being able to have my team who was able to step in. Um, and then, you know, being able to, to, pay for my mom to spend graduation weekend um, with me. And so just really thankful. And I say this again, I just want to underscore this. It has been a journey. Like I didn't wake up (laughs) with these mindsets and I still have mindsets work that I have to do. Um, But I just say this because, you know, there might be some folks who are listening to this who were like, that sounds great. And I still feel nervous to do this money thing or money still feels really, really hard. Um, and I want to honor and acknowledge that because I was there. I was there where if I would have had a two to $3,000 expense pop up five, six years ago, Y'all, if I would have had a $500 expense pop up five, six years ago, it would have, it would have thrown a wrench in everything because I was living paycheck to paycheck. And so I want to honor that, but also show, show the possibility of like that there is something different that is on the other side. Um, and wanted to be able to share that story with you all tonight because that is the most important work that we can do as educators, particularly those of us who are, who are beginning our entrepreneur or we're already on our entrepreneurial journey. And that's the other thing that, okay, I'm gonna take this a little tangent and then I'm gonna come back. I share that, um, because I want you all to see it's possible. I want you to know it's possible. And part of the work that I do, you know, that's, that's actually the easy part is helping you build your business. That's actually the easy part. The hard part is, is helping you believe that you can do it. The hard part is helping you believe that whatever is your current, current salary that you could make in a quarter. The hard part is helping you believe that whatever your current salary is, you can make in a month. The hard part is believing whatever your current salary is, 
you can make it a week. That's the hard part. And that's what me and my team, we help our clients do. And when I tell you, <laughs> let me tell you, we we gonna stick beside you, okay? And most of my clients come to us with raggedy prices, raggedy. And we gonna stick beside you and pricing is a journey, right? So we'll give you guidelines of where you wanna shoot for and where you, know, you ultimately wanna be in terms of your range for your services. And we give you tools like I have a pricing calculator that I've, I've developed that we give to each of our clients in the program. But sometimes at the end of the day, the only person that needs to be convinced of your pricing is yourself. And if you can't speak confidently on your pricing, that'll need to be your price. Because if you waver in, people can hear the frog in your throat. People can hear your lack of confidence. People can feel when you're unsure. If you feel damn convicted about $3,000, then you need to start at $3,000. Start there. Because let me tell you what happened. You gonna bring in that $3,000. That was more than what you had last week, last month, last quarter. You're gonna show up. You're gonna do great work. And then you're gonna realize, you know what? I think it's about time to go to five. And you're gonna start charging $5,000. And then you're gonna show up. You're gonna do great work. You're gonna get some testimonials. And then you're gonna get even more and more confident around what you should be charging because pricing is a journey. It's a journey. And so I say that to say that, you know, I have to balance with my clients of, of giving them advisement and sharing a roadmap, but also at the, the end of the day, they pick their starting point. Um, and so that's one of the things that we help our clients with tremendously is their mindset and their money mindset. And that's the first part of the work and the biggest part of the work that's unending. So I wanted to come on and share this with you all to share these reflections because this is a huge reason of exactly why I am organizing Six Figure Educator Live because it is time for educators to have a drastic shift in their self-beliefs, their self-worth and what they should be paid. Because part of, part of why the sector hasn't changed is because we haven't demanded for the sector to change. And I mean, and I'm not saying we don't organize, we haven't shown up, but part of it is, is when you start to believe you're worth more, you will require more, right? You will settle for more. You won't settle for less you will settle for more. And so that's why I'm really, really passionate and really, really committed to helping educators be able to see the other side, the fact that this getting paid $35 an hour to cover planning is not the norm. Let me tell you, I wish someone would curl their, their lips to tell me they will pay me $35 an hour. I wish someone would curl their lips to tell me they would pay me $100 an hour. I wish someone would curl their lips to tell me they're going to pay me $200 an hour. I would not accept any of those opportunities. Now, there was a time where I did. When I first started, my rates were $150 an hour. And that was four years ago. So you start somewhere, right? But like over time, you know, you will adjust, you will shift, you will change. When I was a principal and things shifted for me at my school um, as a result of a school board decision, I was so um, 
I was so hurt and disenchanted comes to mind, but I feel like there's a better word to be able to describe like the emotions I was feeling at the time. But it was, it was the final, final experience. It's kind of the nail in the coffin of feeling as if something had been done to you rather than done with you. And it wasn't the first time, but it was the first time at this scale where it's like, all right, I'm a principal. I'm in a, and I'm, I'm in a formal position of power and I still feel powerless. And when I had that feeling, um, for me, I was like, I, I morally can no longer stay because of the implications for this decision that was made and done to us and not done with us. If I stay, it felt like I was co-signing on the inequity that, that would have been created. And I just morally could not do that. Um, and in addition, I was the lowest paid principal, um, in our, in our zone. Um, but I was not the lowest performing principal. <laughs> And so there were lots of layers to it, but I became pretty clear when all of that happened, all of these things. And I look back on it and it feels really divine as a way for, for as God telling me that it was time to move, because I honestly think it took that level of disruption for me to, to move, um, because of how deeply in love I was with the work, with my school community, with my staff, my families, my kids, in order for me to have made a move, I needed some level of intense disruption. And that intense disruption happened to the point of where I felt like I needed to grieve my decision because it's not something that I wanted to do, but it felt like something I had to do. Um, and so because of that, I didn't know what was next. Like I hadn't been planning <laughs> to like to to transition or leave anytime soon. But these series of events, you know, now had me thinking about this transition. So because of that, I was like, all right, I don't want to go to another school and be a principal somewhere else, because to me, that feels like starting over. And I might as well just stay at my current school if I'm going to do that. Um I knew going back to school was an option. However, there was only one program that felt like a fit for me, which was the program that I applied to. And, you know, obviously, spoiler alert, like I got into the program and that's what I did. But like at the time, I didn't know if I was going to get in. So I I applied to one program and then I was like, well, I don't know what else I'd want to do. So I started consulting at that time because, again, it came out of a spirit, out of a season of transition and survival where I was like, all right, I've either got to get clarity on what my next move is. I've got to be making money in the interim because I've got to either save to prepare to leave my job to go back to school full time. Or if I don't get into this program, I've got to save to be able to stay afloat until I figure out what the next thing is. So I had a sense of urgency of like, I have got to make, and at that time I had $15,000 of credit card debt and I hadn't, I didn't have any savings in my, I didn't have any savings, period. So I was like, I've got to make at least twenty-five dollars to $30,000 in the next six to eight months. Because if I go back to school, I need three plus months of savings. If I don't get into this program, then those three 
three plus months of savings will help me ride out until I figure out what next is. And so for me, at that time, I wouldn't have to, I didn't think it was possible to make multiple six figures in my business. I was just trying to make what I was making at my job, right? So like, like, and as a principal, I was paid $75,000, which is, is horrible for a principal. And that's even, I mean, that's like barely, um, solid teacher pay. Cause I think teachers should be paid six figures, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, it, I, I was, North Carolina is one of the, is ranked 50 out of 50 for principal pay. So I was completely underpaid as a principal. Um, but to answer your question is what I thought was possible at the time that I started my business is actually, um, I have completely redefined what's possible than when I started four or five years ago, because I would, I was not thinking multiple six figures four or five years ago. I was thinking I just need to make $70,000 in my business in a year. Um, but as I started and I realized like my first contract was $1,600 for a day of PD, which is, it, I mean, at that time it was like, whoa. That's what I make in a week at my job. Today, I would never charge that for a day of PD. For real, for real. I would not charge that for an hour of PD, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, But you start somewhere, right? Like you start somewhere. And at the time, that was like really, really meaningful and and pivotal for me. Um, And once you start, you continue to, you continue to redefine the floor, Right. So at that time, $1,600 was my floor. And then the floor kept moving up of like, all right, now I'm going to charge $2,500 a day. Now I'm going to charge $3,500 a day. Now I'm going to charge $5,000 a day. Like you keep redefining the floor. That's one of the biggest reasons why I'm putting together Six Figure Educator Live, which is a three day event in Atlanta, Georgia. And y'all, I'm so excited about this because it, it, it ain't going to be like Zoom. Now, I could I could work some stuff on Zoom, but when you're in person, nothing beats the energy when you're in person. And for some of us, all of us have mindsets about money. All of us have work that we need to do. For some of us, the level of disruption that we need requires you to be in person. So as I shared that my story kicked off with disruption, and this is my belief, is that in order for you to elevate to your next level, there's going to need to be some level of disruption. Mentally, spiritually, emotionally, financially, you will need to be disrupted. And I'm excited because I see this three days at minimum as a mental disruption where it is my expectation. Like this is, this is literally like one of the guiding questions that me and my team have been thinking about as we're planning this event is what type of experience do attendees need to have such that when they leave, they demand more. They demand more from their job. They demand more from their peers, their colleagues, their their partner, their family, themselves. What type of experience? 
And we're even thinking about what needs to be on the table, what needs to be in the gift bags, what type of sheets need to be in the rooms where they're staying. All of those small details, what needs to be true about those details such that when they leave, they demand more. So that's like the question that that guiding question that we're thinking about. And I'm so excited about it. I'm excited around the pivot that's going to happen for folks that attend. Y'all, y'all do not want to miss this. This is going to be so transformational. So we're offering two types of tickets. There's a general admission tickets, which is going to get you into the event. You'll get access to the content. You're going to get a workbook. You're going to have the opportunity to bring a friend. Everybody who attends will have an opportunity to receive a laser coaching session with one of our fabulous coaches. So you're going to get a lot of really great things by simply being in the room. And then we have VIP tickets, which we're offering. A It's a three-day event, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So VIP tickets, you'll have lunch with myself and the team on Friday and Saturday, and you're going to have a private session with us. Um, there are also, we also have a lot, couple other goodies for VIP folks. We have a VIP gift bag. You're going to have VIP seating. Listen, when I say VIP, I don't mean jeans pass. I mean VIP, very important people, okay? We're, you're going to feel VIP. What we are putting forth in this event, I guarantee you are going to... to get all the value. So once you register, you're going to receive a confirmation email. In that confirmation email is going to be a link um, to the live event page for all attendees. So we've created a one-stop shop page that has all of the event details for attendees, such as like how you book your hotel room, um, you know, how to be, what, how does transportation from the airport to the hotel, an overview of the agenda. We've put together some powerful pre-work for you. Like we built a one-stop shop for you, for all folks who register for the event on the live event page. So when you register, you'll get access to that link to that live event page. On that live event page is at details around how to take advantage of the bring a bestie. So for folks who register, you have the opportunity to bring a bestie at the bring a friend price, which is all included on that live event page. And so I share that because there's some of you who you might want to bring your partner. You, If you have a business partner and you all are, are doing the business together, or you're just like, you know what, me and my homegirl or my homeboy or my best friend, we talk about this all the time and like to have that level of support in the room while you're being disrupted. You want to have your best friend or your ride or die with you. We want to make sure that we have provide you that opportunity to do that. So once you register, you'll get the link to the live event page and then that'll have the link to the bring a bestie and it'll have a link to the bring a bestie page that if you want to purchase the ticket for your bestie or if you want to send the link to your bestie and they could buy the ticket, then then we set it up to be really easy for you. So um, everybody who registers will have the opportunity to to have that one bring a bestie ticket, which is at um, a, a discounted rate. So that way um, we can make it easy for you to bring a friend. Okay, so that's it. I hope you all decide to join me and my team in Atlanta. If you got any other questions, shoot me a DM. Happy to answer. Um, but I'm going to go watch Lincoln Lawyer. So you all have a great, great evening. I'll chat soon and have a great night.